0: I'm Brian Avery
1: and welcome to Voices from the Field, a podcast brought to you by the Department of Sport and Management at the University of Florida. This podcast was created to share the career journeys of sport industry professionals. Our hope is that you learn the ins and outs of sport industry professions. We're excited to be with all of you this week and with our special guest Ed Buckley. Ed is the chairman and CEO of PeerFit and the vice president and board of directors for Balance 180.
0: So Ed received his bachelor's in public relations, master's in public health management and policy, and doctorate of philosophy in digital health behavior from the University of Florida. Go Gators, absolutely. Uh, a triple threat at this point. So I like that, right? So while attending Florida, uh, he was a graduate research assistant for the UF Department of Health Behavior and a group fitness instructor for Gainesville Health and Fitness. Ed is currently a contributing writer for Get Your Fit Together, the VP and board of directors for Balance 180, and Chairman and CEO of PeerFit.
2: Thank you for uh, being with us today, Ed. Thank you for having me. Go Gators, appreciate go Gators. Uh, being here today.
1: Yeah, Triple Gator. I think you might be our first Triple
2: Gator. He actually. is the first Triple Gator. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like out. a great move someone does on the like diving platform. Ah, and here he goes, he'll be performing the Triple Gator.
0: <laughs> I think Rodney Dangerfield did what, the Triple Lundy or something like triple that? Lundy. The yeah. Triple Lundy, there triple Lundy. We go. Lundy. yeah.
2: A triple gator uh how many years were you here out of curiosity so my undergrad i did in three years okay. then i left gainesville went up to atlanta where my father lives came back did my masters in two years and then did my phd i was there for about three and a half four years so okay. you know all in gainesville probably end to in was about a decade you know, a, a van wilder as i like to call it i love it I
1: love the band Wilder. Yeah, and Ed, because funny for those listening, Ed and I actually went to UF together um, and had lots of mutual friends, hung out, um, and so curious, how many sporting events did you attend?
2: Um, Mm, Let's see. So I was (laughs) the MC for gymnastics, right, back when we won back-to-back-to-back national championships. So I went to every one of those because mm. I was required to, and I, I love doing that. Uh, Shelley, right? We were good friends on soccer. Roommate was a soccer player. Roommate was a soccer employee. Dated someone on the soccer team. So, <laughs> darn well went to a lot of those as well. Uh, probably, and then and then you know we've got lots of peer fit employees that are from the UF softball uh, team. So uh, that those inroads were made back going to you know all the all the softball. So. I, I, probably not the usual sports, right? A lot of people are you know, football, baseball. I was swimming, soccer, softball. Really supporting. I think you know all the sports. Hell, on my twenty-first uh, birthday, I painted myself up and went to a cross-country meet because Lindsey Sundell, my friend, oh my was running, and it was on UF campus because you know they don't have a lot of meets that you can go to. So woke up the morning of my twenty-first birthday. Very dehydrated, and uh, painted myself up, and and went to support. So I had a lot of friends, and you know it was great to support uh, all the athletics and really just you know the the school.
1: Yes, Ed was quite the Gator. Um- fan and also so supportive of everybody um in the program and we all kind of ran in all the same circles so yes that is one thing i really remember when why i asked is just how integrated you were into the sports world even though you weren't necessarily on a team um yeah always appreciated always and also always had a lot of energy i mean he's got energy that no, is one thing he brings you- to every environment
0: <laughs> no i was hoping you won some sort of spirit award i mean the painting yourself alone deserves a recognition on some grand scale, in my opinion. I Uh,
2: think I got people, I convinced people to paint themselves for, you know, indoor gymnastics meet once nice. um actually twice uh, cross country and <laughs> soccer so i've been painted at a number of of them and actually, i think the first class we we took like a russian culture class i think together i don't oh know oh my gosh so I yeah think, I, think I
1: actually i think it's
2: actually where we met
1: and, <laughs> but you're uh, so right i totally forgot that's like the one russian course culture. i dropped
2: <laughs> yep, yep. Learned, <laughs> oh, a you, you, learned a lot learned a lot.
1: Yeah, did you, you made it through
2: that one though, right? I did indeed. I actually believe the class was in HHP, um, the building, right? It was yeah, one of the late ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Stadium. It was one of the stadiums you did. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I forgot about that. Wow. We really go back, don't we? Um, um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about your career journey. Yeah, thanks again for being here. We're excited to hear. Um, yeah, you've had quite the journey since being on campus to where you are now. So can you share a little bit about, yeah, um starting in college and to where you are now, what your journey's been like? And then um, when did you know you wanted to be work in the health and wellness space? So those quite we'll start with those questions.
2: Yeah, yeah I, just, I think. I think- I always knew I wanted too. to be in that area. I, you know, worked at Gainesville health cause I've loved physical activity has been a part of my life since forever. Right. And, and not just, oh, I, I want to do it to be in good shape. Right. I've always loved what physical activity can do for your body mentally, you know, physically, emotionally, and all of that. That's uh, always been a big part of my life. Um, I knew health was something I was passionate about. In fact, when I was looking to do my undergrad, whether I was gonna do you know, PR or across the street do health education, my thought was, well, I'm already gonna voluntarily learn things or do a minor over at health ed, so let me focus on communication, something I don't know the formal practice of, because I'll fill in the content with the health stuff. So I knew right from the get-go, health was gonna be important, and you know, my advice to everyone uh, in college, and I took it myself. Was go to something that's going to give you a framework that you can then apply to different industries, right? I knew communications structurally uh, was going to be important. Like I said, filling in that content of health, or whether I'd gone into finance, or you know something you you can you can do that. The the part about starting the company that was interesting was I've now uh, helped found three separate companies, and all of them have something to do with health, physical activity. One of them's still there in Gainesville. Shout out to Balance 180, just a fantastic nonprofit organization. Started by two people who work, you know, both over at the VA and then um, uh, an academic professor there uh, on campus. So uh, it's always just been something I've been passionate about, and I guess, you know, been... Uh, fortunate enough to let my passion drive me and to go into you know things that that interest me and also can serve to be a, a good career choice and know some people are forced to make the decision do what you love or do what makes you money and I've been very fortunate to you know build them together and and do that I mean I remember my master's thesis presentation was actually on the idea of peer fit. And my professors said, you know, they have got like a panel of professors said, this isn't Shark Tank Ed. This is <laughs> this is school. So, you know, it's interesting because at that time, I can't speak to it today, but at that time the university really wanted to be embracing more uh, futuristic innovation, kind of progressive ways of thinking about what the university should be used for. And while the people down the hill said, this isn't Shark Tank. The people up the hill, right, over at HHP were the ones who said, I love that you're doing that. Please come up here and do your PhD on this topic. This will be fantastic for you. So it was just a great opportunity to further my education, further my skill sets, and kind of sharpening what I could learn to do while also filling in, once again, the content at that point with what PeerFit was becoming. And uh, the, the thing that got me out of Gainesville was, for those of you who know the academic journey, what happens when you're doing a PhD, at some point, you're no longer really needed on campus. You're just writing and researching. And at that exact time, we had gotten a um, investment from Florida Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida. And I said, but in order to take it, you need to come down to Tampa for four months. And at that point, I was just literally sitting in Gainesville you know, writing and researching stuff so like, all right, well, I've been here for a decade. So sure, let me go down to Tampa. And uh, I loved it and, and, and haven't really come back. I absolutely love it here in Tampa. I you know went back up there for graduation and to defend and all of those things. But it's, um, it's been a wild journey so far that's mm. that's for sure. In fact, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary here at Peerfit, Strangely enough, wow. that's how I've gotten these gray hairs that you can't quite see. So.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. And what? Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about PureFit. Um, and then what your position entails, the duties and kind of your role. Uh, I don't know if all of our students will know right offhand what what that looks like. And I think it's really unique, right? The way you've created um, the organization um, in this space.
2: Sure. So at PeerFit, it's a pretty simple concept. There are health plans, right? Think of Aetna, Cigna, kind of your traditional health plans that people have. Uh, we built the mechanism that allows them to pay for their members to go to fitness experiences mm-hmm. and be able to track, fund it. So you know, I personally have Aetna through our employer, PeerFit. Right? It's our it's our employer sponsored insurance. And they pay for me to go to boot camp, to go to cycling, to go to yoga, to stream workouts. We're the ones that built that mechanism to happen. And so when we got into the game a few years ago, really it was about maybe they had money set aside for you, but you'd have to go join a gym for 12 months. You'd have to print out receipts. You'd have to do, oh, what a pain, right? So we figured that if we could broaden their network to be gyms, studios, streaming, and then we could make it a digital reconciliation process that it's automatic that happens behind the scenes. What a novel idea. And then the, the peer, where the peer comes from, is really a, a health behavioral you know, kind of sentiment from my academic times, which is I can tell Shelly all day long, hey, being physically active is good for you. Well, notice how many people are not physically active. This is not an education gap, right? It's a motivation gap. But when you put two people together or there's a group working out, they have significantly higher retention rates, right? You you are more likely to stick with physical activity. Group fitness, for instance, is the number one reason why people join a gym and leave a gym is, is that. So we knew that was the sticky point that if we could build around that aspect, it's both good public health policy as well as just a great commercial uh value prop so you know we knew that that's we wanted to try to build like this ubiquitous access for people in small pods to go to multiple places together which you know at that time if you think about the three of us work together the three of us probably all had different gym memberships or different fitness routines well now universally we all have the same access to all of these places and when i you know go on my phone and reserve i can kick it to shelly and say i'm going here do you want to go with right? So That's that was cool. really the mechanism that we built. Uh, we we did under 65 uh, years old, right? So we look at population from an age perspective. Under 65, uh, group insurance was the foundation of the company for years. Then about three years ago, our health plan said, we love working with you. I wish you'd build a version of yourself for the over 65 space, the Medicare Advantage space, where they already have really legacy gym network programs that are very stale, and so kind of got dragged into that space. And honestly, it's been amazing going into that space because when you think about the people you help, these are people who really need routines, um, good reasons to, to get out of the house, be around others, be physically active. You can ha- really have impacts uh, on that you know, population far more than maybe a 25-year-old who's going to be active anyways. They're going to be okay, right? So we loved that we love that space. Uh, we launched that three years ago. It's called PeerFit Move. It was, it was really almost like a whole new company for us. And in you know just a few short years, it's just below fifty percent of our business now, from from a population and revenue perspective. It's doubled every single year since we got into it. So while the main company took you know ten years to get up to this revenue point. Launching PeerFit Move has gotten there in just a really short amount of time. So we've been very, very happy uh, getting into that space, helping that space. You know, there certainly are challenges. Uh, If you think dealing with health plans is difficult, wait till you deal with Medicare. So, (laughs) you know, you've got a lot more regulations and Todd Sauter, our chief growth officer, always makes the joke before we went into that market The only thing we knew about medicare was how to spell it so we're very happy that we've become very educated and in in that space but you know that's that's what we do at peerfit it's just how do we connect payers their members and great fitness experiences and and just make that as as seamless as a you know uh, process as possible COVID was interesting because physical gyms closed their locations, but luckily we still had that network who had those dollars. So when people went and did zoom classes, we were still able to fund that for people. Um, you know, last year during COVID we did a major transaction and sold off a, a piece of the company. And, and part of that was because of, of what our network was able to do during COVID. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been a wild ride. We've, we've raised, you know, $50 million in venture capital. We've, you know, got the owner of the the Celtics, who was on our board for a number of years, the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, you know, on our board and is a major investor. And that's why I've got Celtics stuff and Lightning stuff behind me. So, so you know, we've gotten to meet some just really impressive people, have great health plan partners, have a lot of great members out there. And like I said, now we're in, in two segments.
1: Very cool. And do you, um, what's your role look like now? Like, are you in charge of of outsourcing some of the, going to the gyms and finding them? Or are you more on building, uh, raising capital, raising funds, that kind of stuff?
2: Well, luckily, knock on wood, we don't really need to raise capital anymore. So that's that it was that was definitely my bread and butter. I was the one who did that. So luckily, we don't have to be in that position from a growth perspective. At this time, we've got an amazing team. uh, At this point, there's a team who solely works on the fitness partnerships, right? There's a team who solely works on our health plan partnerships. So um, really, I'm there to kind of help point where the future's at, fuel people up with motivation, make sure we have the right resources and then get the heck out of their way, right? That's, that's really what I'm there to do because if I'm you know in the weeds for too long, I am a disruptor by nature and will be very disruptive. So <laughs> our, you know, our team needs to build processes and stick to, to processes. So it's, it's best me being at the top end of the macro rather than the micro side of the spectrum. It's amazing. I, I'm
0: I'm just thinking you went 10 years in academics and then you made this transition to industry as a as a leader, a CEO and a company that's become very successful very quickly. How has that transition been for you? What's this learning curve been like And and what kind of insight could you share for a, a possible entrepreneur in the making that is in the academic space right now?
2: Well, you know, clearly it was my Russian culture classes that I took at the (laughs) University of Florida that set me up to be such a a, a great executive. (laughs) Look, I didn't take business classes at, you know, school. I read a lot. You know, you, you just try to learn a lot. I think it's a mentality mindset more than anything. Here's what I would say. I was never very liked in the academic setting i n- always had this kind of spirit and passion um and so it isn't you know which side were you not you know the ugly duckling on right i'm not in the business side and people are like oh man we got this academic guy around in fact i don't think a lot of people even know that i have my phd that i do business oh, i no
0: kidding okay
2: <laughs> I, I the academic side was definitely not the side that appreciated my particular skill sets and nor should it have been right if you think about what you have to do to maintain processes to be you know have great academic integrity and and you know what you got to hold people to as I mentioned I'm a disruptor by nature that's not something that's really conducive to to that uh, ecosystem so I didn't have nearly as hard as a a jump going into the business side because I just was able to be me and you know, I'm okay making mistakes and learning. Maybe that's where the the school side paid off. I'm a student by nature and will continue to be a student forever. And that sets the DNA of the whole company, which is, you know, no one's ever done learning. We're always here to get better. And, you know, so I think that's been a great, great aspect for the company and the culture.
0: Yeah, no, and that leads me to my next question is, as the CEO, how have you evolved as a leader an innovator and as a person uh, in that role. It's a high pressure role. Uh, And I know a lot of people are always, you know, looking to you for answers and how do you deal with that? Uh, How do you overcome some of the obstacles that have been put in your way to, I mean, you had said a minute ago, the Medicaid uh, and the difficulties uh, uh, around that, you know, how did you navigate that water so that you could unpack it? So it made sense, uh, not just to you, but to those around you.
2: So I'm gonna use a university analogy here, right, since we're talking Gator to Gator. And there are people that are great football players, there are people who are great coordinators, and then there are people who are great head coaches. Mm -hmm. And we incorrectly say, well, if you're a great player, then you should be a coordinator. And if you're a great coordinator, then you should be a good head coach. And that's not the case always, right? Mm -hmm. I think that my personality and how I deal with stress and how I enjoy changing things would be an absolutely terrible fit almost anywhere else in the org. So I don't think I could have risen through a company to become where I am. Okay. Uh, I, I leaped right over into one that was uniquely, and vice versa, I've got people in our org chart that are the absolute best at what they do But I think put in my position would not do really well, right? So it's Mm -hmm. just all about a fit. I I think the things that set me up for success were, I've just naturally very passionate about this sector, right, Mm -hmm. which is really, really important. I came from a military family, we moved a lot, I was used to change, I was Used to circumstances changing, and you know, you just got to move forward. You can't sulk on what was or what's being taken away from you. Yeah. So, I think that was always very, very beneficial for me. And um, yeah, I've had great, great mentors, great coaches along the way. To your question about you know how I've progressed, I was a terrible leader ten years ago, right? Yeah. I was very, very passionate about what I did. Um, My mentor at the time used to call me a bulldozer and I absolutely was like that's, I, that I was not good at at it. And then, you know, when I tried to soften my ways, then I became inconsistent. So I don't think that also led a a great standard for people. So certainly, you know, we all try to be better every year, you know, that goes by every calendar year. And I'd like to certainly think that Ed. 35.0 35.0 you know that i am is is certainly a better one than when i started the company or even frankly a few years ago
0: i love your perspective on things Over. this is fun so uh aside from that before you began your career your journey in general was it education or not what is something you wish you had known that would have
2: made it easier for you so i've been asked this type of question before and i'm yes. going to give you an answer that you're not going to like fair <laughs> doesn't really matter. Much like physical activity, people don't do it not because they don't know it's good for them. They're just undisciplined to stick to it, right, or it's not motivating enough. There were plenty of things that I was told that I wasn't ready to absorb. I wasn't mature enough to execute. So I think back, and I'm still being taught the same lessons that I was being taught 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I just have a better perspective or more mature or more capable to do them. I think I was being told the same things then that I was doing now. And so if if the question were to be, well, which ones have you followed that have actually worked out well for you? You know, delegating is really important, right? There's some platitudes that you hear about all the time, like, hi, don't be the smartest person in the room. Worked out absolutely find great people around you, motivate them, get the heck out of their way. Uh, that's I think the things that have worked out and and just and just don't take yourself too seriously. Right. If the person at the top can laugh at themselves, make fun of themselves, then everyone else can do
0: fair. No, and you're wrong. I love that response. That's fantastic. I feel your pain. I've been in your shoes in that regard uh, before I was a, an academic and uh, I, I respect it. sometimes you just can't digest it. Uh, and, and I think that's the bottom line, you're just not ready. Uh, so I think you, you you just hit that nail on the head, thank you.
1: And I, I, I always wanna, um, I don't know, as you're talking, make sure we include the fact that you're one, one of the things I remember about you too is, is your ability to network. Like when you were in your energy, like you were bringing people with you, like you're, you go out places and it knows everyone. Like, um, and and so you have that ability to draw in the crowds and engage in and people in their spaces. Um, so I can imagine. I just see as you're talking about your growth in Pure Fit and how it works. Just how those skills also, um, get fine tuned into what you how you are, uh, today, and what's made you really successful. I would imagine.
2: We've probably hired more University of Florida athletes than you know most employers <laughs> out there. I mean, we—you're right. We absolutely have done a great job of keeping a network. You know that that early core group of PeerFit, you know, all basically came from three employers, and they were all groups that I had you know worked with before. And we brought them along, and we brought them along, and and you know, I was just in a meeting earlier, Shelley, with with Megan Merce, but previously Megan Bush, right, from the softball team. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that I think it's probably from moving so much as a kid, right? It's just being really effective at building networks and wanting people to be around and be around together. I'm still the the same way today. If if I'm going out, I want to bring a big group and make sure everybody has a good time.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And if you're the head of, and you're having fun people below, you're also having fun. Right. <laughs> no question. Um, and so when did you, you know, I don't think we, we talked on this yet. When did you know, you wanted to create pure fit? It sounds like you did your thesis on it, but how did you get that idea? I mean, that was a forward thinking, um, kind of movement you've created. And so I'm, I am curious before I, you know, ask about resources where, where it started.
2: Yeah. I, my, philosophy on starting a company is you should never seek to be an entrepreneur, right? Like the fact that you have an academic uh, major on entrepreneurship is very interesting to me because it's like, well, how do you know the lessons that an entrepreneur needs? Because like really you got to start with this obsession, this problem, this passion on something. And I suppose then you could give them the right tools of finance and all these other things. Then I would just call that a business degree, right? Like things (laughs) you need to be be good in business. Um, But look, I was obsessed with this problem. I worked at Gainesville Health, right? I worked at a gym. I was working a couple other places. I, I knew group fitness needed really to be modernized. We thought at the time that the health payer, the health payer uh, component of it would be a piece of the business. We never thought it would be the business. Right. So I I was just obsessed with this problem. I was obsessed with researching about it and and doing all of, you know, everything related to it. And it eventually morphed into a company. So that's what I would say. You know, I think about life after PeerFit one day, uh, absolutely. We'll start another company or, or several companies, but it's because I've already thought of things that are problems that I'm obsessed with. I wouldn't start it and be like, well, I'm done and I need to start another company now. So let me start one and figure out what's a good business. Uh, I'm sure there are people out there that could be successful that way. You got to know, you know, how you're wired and, and this is the way that I'm wired and the only way that I've found to be successful.
1: And what are the best resources um, that you've used and utilized now in, in the fitness um, industry, in the programs you're creating
2: I think one of the coolest things about this industry right now, and I think about all of of HHP there, right? You've got um, really interesting departments and really all of them could be going into our industry because our industry is obviously not just health plans, but it's also great fitness experiences, but digital health as a whole is really just, like I said, digitizing the landscape of all types of activities that people are working on from, from HHP. And, um, it, it, it's making the ability to start a company and grow a company and connect with other companies so much more effective and you know, closing the dots between them. So, you know, when I got started, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know how to raise capital. I just talked to everyone, Shelly shocking, I know. I just literally <laughs> talked to everybody about this idea I was working on. And, and kind of the universe helped guide me to people. People would say, "Well, have you met so- and so?" They're great with helping with startups. Well, have you met so-and-so? They're great at, you know, uh, investing in in early-stage companies. And I I just go back to, like, if you're working on something you're passionate about, you want to talk about it all the Mm -hmm. time. And and if you talk about it all the time, then the universe will kind of help point you to the people you need to talk to. But I'm sure the University of Florida has great formal resources that people can (laughs) go to the link above, right? Like, um, you know, whatever link or department there is there. But I certainly um, didn't really go through that process. I didn't go to business school and, you know, just kind of made it, made it on our own.
1: Yeah. I love that though. It's unique and a fresh perspective to, a, you know, an unorthodox plan, but I mean, look where you, you've gotten to take it and from, like you said, though, I love that you're like, well, I was passionate about it. So of course I wanted to talk about it. I was engaging You're reading, your, you know, so people, I think, By human like nature is to like oh well they care about something I care about like we're gonna talk about it and I'm gonna refer you to somebody else and we talk about that with our students like how are you networking how are you having conversations how are you staying relevant in the industry you know it's not just you know applying for a job I think there there's a lot to it as well um which like you explained by nature happens when you are having those conversations for sure
2: yeah Um, I don't think I don't think we ever got help because I was trying to work the system right i don't it's interesting i can get that factually you can see that i've been an effective networker right by the number of people that we all knew or whatever but i never networked like to to do that it was just always mm-hmm. the cause and effect of always wanting to be around people and talk to people and include as many people as possible right it it really was a cause and effect rather than networking to network people can people can sense that right they can see Mm -hmm. when they're trying to you're just a a rung in the the ladder to them of trying to get to where you need to go and people don't want to help you when you do that however when you are genuine people want to help people it's just Mm -hmm. it's in our nature by and large
1: yeah. Uh and it's true too. Like people do see through others, especially those who've been in the industry a while. It's like, oh, yep, the same conversation I've had this one <laughs> 12 yeah. times. Yep. Um so and being and I do think people want to hire genuine people who are who are truly passionate about, you know, this whether they were getting paid a lot of money or not. I mean, this industry is very competitive as, as you know, as a whole, you know? Um, so when it comes to people who've really impacted your life, what, um, who's been the most influential, maybe there's a few that you would name, um, and how have they helped um, and or impacted
2: your, you
1: know, your career trajectory?
2: You know, I would say if you broke up the, you know, 10 years at PeerFit, I'll just use PeerFit for instance, right? Cause I was even, I was in school for the first, the first part of it still. Each kind of quarter of, of that journey, I had a completely different set of mentors or, or coaches for what you need at that stage. And it really is, I mean this might not sound overly believable. but like each stage, you have to completely reinvent yourself. You need completely different skill sets around you um, when you know when you're growing a company, right? When it's just an idea, you need X okay, when you've got an idea and you're trying to take it to market to get your first couple of sales, you need why? All right. When you've got your first couple of sales, you're trying to get to a hundred thousand or 500,000, you know, this to get it from a million to 10 million is a completely different, right? So it's like very different. So I've been very fortunate that along the way, I've had people that are willing to help me and, you know, are willing to step up when I need them and kind of sit passively when I, when I don't need them, you know, we've got our, our board today, you know, we've, we've got people who've been on there for a number of years and have been helping me since before they were on the board, right? Like Jim Phillip has, has helped me long before he was ever on the board, right? Mark Blumenthal has been there for years. Lee Arnold. These are guys that that have helped me along the way. You know, I think my father's a great person that who I've always looked up to, and we don't have the same personality by, by any means, but I always look at him as just he's a great person, and it kind of reminds me to – Try to be a good person like uh, like him, <laughs> and he's a far better person than I am. But, you know, I, I think every person you're with, you, know, you can get a little something from them, uh, no matter what they do. Uh, maybe they do something, you know, right. And it's good to always be growing, learning, listening. And, and I do a lot of reading, probably read, you know, two to three books a month. And they're all nonfiction. They're all about people. And that's something that I always try to, you know, just take in.
0: That's great. No, it's very insightful and uh, helpful for our student body. You know, over the last 20 years, I mean, obviously 10 in in the the fitness space, but the previous 10 as an academic, how have you seen the industry grow uh, and what kind of change in the the health and wellness industry uh, are you expecting in the future?
2: You know, it is surprising to me how much this new wave of digital innovation requires really, really smart academics. So when I think about, mm, let's call it five-ish years ago, Mm -hmm. they needed great technologists, right? I'm taking a previously known concept or structure and we're just digitizing it. So I I view really, that's what we did, right? We viewed something that was a net known, network reimbursement, digitizing it, right? But when I think about the companies Uh, that are growing the fastest, that are the biggest in our space, Whoop, Aura, Peloton, right? So they're gobbling up researchers. They're gobbling up academics with letters after their names because the, the, the digitizing it's already done or it's much easier to do. So now they're trying to think through, where are we going? What's the academic structure of what we will be building? off of this, right? Everything is a kind of TikTok back and forth. And so we needed to digitize things. Okay, now they have. So now they need to build a new future. Then they'll build concepts and eventually they'll go back to, right? So we'll we'll get there of expansion, contraction and reinforcement. But uh, that's what I'm seeing is that actually academics are surprisingly in a lot of really successful digital health startups and growth companies right now.
0: Okay, that's, that's that's very interesting. Uh, outside of that, considering our student population, how can they prepare? I mean, obviously you say the, the academic is going to be a heavy influence in that industry, but let's say you have a student who well, wants a bachelor's degree or master's, doesn't want to go after the PhD. How can they prepare themselves for a direction in this industry since it's the, rapidly evolving?
2: Yeah, the most successful, you know, let's call it young 20s, late 20s, that I've seen enter into the market are are ones that are taking the opportunity outside of the classroom okay. to become experts and show other people that they're experts. So Shelley, we were just talking about networking. There are two types of people on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> that, that, are, that you watch. There are people that are clearly on LinkedIn to get noticed and gobble up people, right? So that they can use you to get a job. And there are people that just love interacting with content, sharing their opinion on content, mm-hmm. Um, those people that, you know, it, it, it helps you take someone who's an entry level person and interact with a CEO or an industry expert, right? Where else can you do that? Mm-hmm. So I think that if you are becoming an industry expert, reading, producing content, sharing that content, uh, interacting with people, you know, using your phone for something other than Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, you could be really, you know, making yourself known and and really helping yourself out. Gotcha. Cool.
1: Yeah, and I, I so, um, <laughs> I love it. And we talk about LinkedIn. We've done some videos for our students on it, but it's it is it is true. There are a different. Different types of people on LinkedIn and what they they use it for, but um, I I love that you brought up Aura and um, Whoop because I find them so interesting, uh, especially Whoop because I used it in the soccer team. We used it for. Um, for a year or so, and there's just you stories you would love. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I think that that industry, too, as you're talking about it, is so up and coming and seeing all the changes. I mean, this just seems like a start of what's to come and how that will start getting integrated even collegiately as well as professionally, you know, the monitor- monitoring of heart rates and, and all, all of the stats and, you know, our bodies,
2: basically. I mean, let's take it to a whole nother level here, right? Forget about how amazing it's going to transform our personal health, knowledge, actionability, mm-hmm. right? All that. This past weekend on a golf tournament on TV, Whoop sponsored where you could watch Rory's heart rate while he swung the golf club, right? Think of the entertainment. This is a mm-hmm. digital health company that is now bleeding into entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's, it is amazing what's opening up now. And the thing that I think about, like, as I think about the next wave of companies and, and where we're going, right. Cause it's something we're always thinking about. It's like the cyborgs are here. We're already cyborgs. Mm-hmm. So no longer is the problem of the companies being started. How do I get people to use this product done? So now the question becomes now that so much data is being created then what do you mm-hmm. go the next level deeper and create deeper richer data do you then do something like it, it, the question changes now because the tables already been set there's already mm-hmm. products producing rich rich health data whereas like i said 5 years ago the problem being solved was how do i produce rich health data it's done it's done
1: Yeah. So, so interesting. Right. I mean, yeah, it's gonna, it's always, um, I'm so curious for so many reasons, how it's going to integrate, uh, into our, into the sports industry specifically, where, how, what's going to stay right. What's going to hold and what's going to change to something else and morph and be, you know, because it, this is such a side tangent, but well, let's just go here. From a collegiate perspective with like a whoop band or things like that, they will monitor you and where you are, how you, you know, and all your heart rate. So technically you can be monitored and that in what's allowed in that, right? Like I was going to
2: get, yeah, I was going to go there. Imagine not Shelly. Shelly was a very good uh, athlete and did not party. And I'm not just (laughs) saying that, but there were certainly people that were influenced by me who would come out and party with me, (laughs) uh, you know, when they probably should not have. When does the Woot monitoring stop, right? Mm-hmm. Do they get yeah. to see you when you're out at Grog? Ooh, what about you know on the weekends do they get mm-hmm. to? What about during the off season? How much do they own you? I mean, it, it's gonna become mm-hmm. an ethical question. That to me will be one of the greatest ethical questions of our time. Now that health data is rich and ubiquitous, who should have access? And I know a lot of people can, and I know maybe a lot of people are right now, but should they have access? And that'll be something that I think we'll go too far on and then pull it back, right? Natural homeostasis, mm-hmm. you go above the line and then you know you, you mm-hmm. fix it. I think we'll be too broad with the ownership of that data. And we might already be. And, and then we will more hopefully correct it so that the right people have it at the right time. And and don't the rest of the time.
1: Yeah, just stay tuned, everyone. Stay tuned, right? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when you uh, before, especially for our students and relating, you know, not all of them are going to start businesses. But those years, can you speak to those years before you started PureFit and when you're in school, when you're working for Gainesville Health and Fitness, and how important those were to where you are now? Um, so a lot of our students going into the into the industry right after university might not you know, get to where you are. But I think we underestimate the value of just the growth process.
2: So I would say of the longest tenured people at PureFit, almost all of them were connections that were made at the university, working at Gainesville Health and Fitness. We we knew that Gainesville Health was such a well-run company that uh, we could hire out of there and immediately know that we're going to have people that are hardworking, well-disciplined. So, you know, you think about being in Gainesville, You've got really an A-plus an school from a talent perspective. You've got great businesses around it that you know you can continue to draw on. Uh, the network you build there will, will continue to, to be useful to you long after you're gone, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like I said, I, I look at the longest tenured people. They're all people that we got to know in Gainesville, and here they are. And we've had several cycles through, right, as an organization because, um, you know, we, we've been at this 10 years, and, and to see – the people at the top. One of them was I came and spoke to their class at HHP, and you know they applied for a, a part-time you know internship, which then turned to full-time, and now you know department head. So you, you just never know who you're going to get exposed to. So yes, the speakers that come and talk to your classes <laughs> might eventually hire you if <laughs> if you. And that that came via Dr. Pig, who I know isn't at the school anymore, but that came from that student reaching out to Dr. Pig and saying I loved what I learned could i get introduced afterwards and and dr pig who asked me to come speak making that introduction so you know if you have a good relationship with your uh you know academic staff and faculty they can they can help you
1: yeah i love these plugs that's really helping us out actually throwing some softballs up <laughs> um okay and then on a, on a little personal note what do you you're in this uh the health and wellness industry but what do you do to stay healthy but in in i i don't use the word term balanced anymore because i think in this industry we're not there's no real definition for balance but how do you stay healthy and in a high-paced high pressure environment what, what are ways you can maybe disconnect when you need to um so you can stay at a high
2: high rate so i go on a lot of walks actually i do it throughout the day just quick 10 20 minute walk i've done this for as long as I can remember, actually, during my dissertation writing, just you know, go on walks. I do a lot of it. it just it's amazing for your body, it's amazing for your mind. Sometimes I use it to talk to people on the phone, sometimes I use it to listen to a podcast or I listen to Audible to listen to a book. Uh, sometimes I'll do nothing, right? And just think during it. But it's been one of the single greatest things for me that I've you know done. I do it all the time. I went and saw my dad in Atlanta over the holiday break. And I remember it's pouring rain outside. So I just paced around through the house and he thought it was a psycho. Um, but yeah, so I just, you know, I think it's, it's really good just to get away. And once you don't have to walk fast, you don't have to run, just be a bit active helps your, your mind. Um, other than that, I, I do a lot of group fitness classes. I'm doing one as soon as we wrap up this, this interview. Cool. And uh, I try to be very social. I see my friends, you know, go out to eat, go out and grab drinks. It's, it's incredibly important just to get out and talk to other people, even if they have nothing to do with your industry, just see other people and talk. You never know what's going to, you know, be an inspirational moment.
0: That's uh, and it's, uh, some good insight. And I think, I know Shelly's talking about the balance aspect, but uh, vastly important to just understand you got to disconnect unplug. Uh, change the scenery, and uh, it will do wonders for your health and your mind. So, Actually you yeah, totally. You had mentioned a moment ago that you know the networking that it, uh, created in the classroom environment, and uh, you know the student reaching out to you and wind up uh, with a position, and ultimately a department chair role uh, in your organization, which is which is awesome. And that's what we're trying to teach our students: is you need to reach out, you need to build relationships, network, make sure they know you, you know them, and you continue that conversation. So. When it comes down to the time to hire them though what what are you looking for in that student what qualifications what degree you know uh, background experiences things like that personalities if you will that that would align with an organization like yours
2: i suppose all of us in life hire and associate the things that we deem important, right? It's not that it's important to the universe, but it is to me. Therefore, if I see someone who reflects that, Mm. it must be important, right? Right. I always valued as a student, I'd rather get a B in the class, but have great knowledge and grasp of it to talk about it, command it, than Mm. people who I would see studied to the test and get an A and had no mastery of the concepts, right? Very few companies that I'm aware of really care about your GPA, right? They care about your mastery of the concept. And so that's what I've always looked for is, can I have a conversation with you on this topic, right? And in doing so, do you seem like you're someone who is open to input, right? Thus, you must be open to coaching. Do you're someone who seems like you just went to school to get through school and get a grade? Or regardless of your grade, can you talk to me about what you studied and the implications of what that means for a company like us right that's that's what we care about I mean, it goes back to the linkedin thing right if you are out reading about things in the industry and and learning about it so that you can create your own thoughts on that and create your own content on it well then you've got some drive you've got some interest and passion in this that that that's what matters to me i've, I've had a lot of people who have great you know, academic resumes, but frankly, they were just looking for a job so that they could have one. And it didn't matter if I hired them or somebody else did, and very, very offended and triggered when you know, they're not hired. But it's, it's not, we're not looking to hire the best on paper. We're looking to hire the one that for us in this industry, in this role, really wants to be here and wants to work to be here.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sensing a theme based on the conversation we've had so far of authenticity. Just be real, be aligned with what it is that you want out of life and make sure that you're passionate. Uh, yeah. And I, I completely agree. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're going to fail uh, or struggle immensely and, and find no joy in it. Or be so, miserable. You'll or, be miserable. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, you, I can sense through you. You're just you love what you do. Uh, and, and, and we need to make sure that our students are aware be in alignment or you're, or you're gonna struggle. Uh, and and uh, so I really appreciate that message you've delivered for us today. Aside from that, how can students connect with you in, in, in some way? If they wanted to reach out to you and start a conversation, uh, what methods would you be open up uh, for? for
2: sure, so PeerFit as a company is very active on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, right? All those traditional ones. <laughs> My most active platform is LinkedIn actually. Okay. I love it. It's where I go to read every day. And, you know, I'm, I get a lot of messages on there. But, you know, professionally, I'm on LinkedIn. Not that there's really any line between me personally and me professionally, because yeah. just I'm just barefoot. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, you know, on on Instagram, those are probably the two most that I'm that I'm on nowadays. So awesome. Now that really appreciate it. Hopefully
0: some students will reach out and connect with you and, and uh, further this conversation and start establishing a relationship of some sort. So This question stumps some, so I I will Mm. throw that out for you. If you could step into the shoes of a a UF SPM student or HHP student, just the UF community at large, what would you ask yourself that we did not ask you today that would be important to their journey?
2: If I if I, I would say if you could do it all again in 2021, what would you study? right? What's the most important curriculum sets of classes that you'd study today to be ready for tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I joke about this with Shelly, right? We took Russian culture. Do you know why I took that class, right? I took it because it was so different than anything else. And other, all the, all the classes we were taking were just check the box classes. And so my retort back would be while being innovative, having some knowledge about how, you know, Data science is very useful to anyone understanding basic coding and developing is, is very important, right? Communication skills are important because Adam Carroll smart chart. If you can't communicate it, you know, you're not going to get very far. I think finding unique classes that are conversation starters that give you just a differentiation is, is what I would, what I would look for more than anything. Uh, I find human behavior very interesting. Hence what I studied right at, at, at school, I found like my generation uh, was mortified if they matched each other. So if you and I went out and we're in the same shit they're like, oh my gosh, the generation that's in school right now is mortified if they're not matching each other, right? And so that's what I would just call you to find something to actually be different and to stand out and be proud of it.
0: I, I love that response. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I think it was
1: great. And also, I'd like to talk about the Russian. I was so curious why you ended up taking that course because I was like, who ch- who signs up? I was Russian. I'm Russian, so that's why I was interested in taking it. But I, um, thanks for clarifying on that one.
2: I said, what do I know? Nothing about that could possibly be useful one day. And I'm like, Russia is kind of a problem for the U.S. I at least <laughs> want to know something about them. That's awesome.
0: That's Well, to f- fit into this conversation, I spent 30 days in Russia, so I feel a sense of understanding it. That's like
2: a great blog title. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I spent 30 days in Russia.
0: <laughs> there were some stories, that's for sure. So aside from that, though, now on Voices from the Field, we, we've we got this opportunity to, to do a little fun, right? We We don't want it to be all, you know... Uh, difficult concepts. and I've, I've hoped we've had fun the last. Oh well, well, no, minutes. you know what I'm saying. But I mean, like these these intense conversations about professional development and whatnot. This takes it to a new level. It's this rapid fire Q and A that we do, uh, chock full of lighthearted questions. So, uh, Shelley, you want to go ahead and begin?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I got my one minute timer and I have all my questions. So we're just going to see how many you can answer um, in one minute. Are you ready?
2: Of course. Is that the first question?
1: No, there you okay. go. <laughs> and go. when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: Astronaut. Absolutely loved it. I met Neil Armstrong. Oh, wow.
1: Favorite sport to play?
2: Oh, uh, I guess the only sport I really do now is tennis, which I'm terrible at, and running, if that's a sport.
1: Okay, what's the worst haircut you've ever had?
2: Oh, probably back when I was at college, people would say. Grew my hair <laughs> out long. It's, it's great. I loved it. People didn't.
1: Favorite zoo animal?
2: Tiger, no doubt. Awesome. First job? Lifeguard.
1: What phone app do you waste the most time on?
2: A waste of Instagram, if it's wasted. <laughs> yeah.
1: Current hobby. What? Current hobby.
2: Uh, tennis. Uh,
1: if I looked up your most played songs, what song or artists would I see?
2: A lot of 80s and 70s. Get some Phil Collins in there. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: What, uh, what makes you laugh the most?
2: stupid things really dumb things
1: <laughs> all right and time awesome thanks so how much many, how
2: many, many do you normally get through
1: it just depends you know some people get like four or five um but some people get nine or ten you were up in that eight nine i think you got nine yeah so right. yeah you did great and then we, i'm well, in the
2: upper echelon that's what I yeah yeah you're, Not you're competitive at no, all.
1: no question um and i will fun fact the the favorite zoo animal has outstandingly been the giraffe I think we you are one of two other people who have said something other
2: than the giraffe right yeah it's funny you say that because I don't like giraffes I don't dislike them but it came to my mind so something you guys do is like manipulating people to think about giraffes
1: okay good to know I didn't know that I appreciate that I was because we're like who like what is it about giraffes (laughs) yeah
2: they're definitely not even close to my top 10 and I thought like maybe I should say giraffe so I don't know why Yeah, we'll commission a study on
0: that. Get to the bottom of why. (laughs) I think a list too of like ranking Mm -hmm. with sports after all. So let's be competitive. Uh, So maybe we should have like a list, like Top Gear or something. Uh, That's fun. So this has been a lot of fun, uh, and I really appreciate your time today. So I know from the Department of Sport Management, the College of HHP, and all of our students, our faculty, alumni, we really appreciate. Uh, your insight and your thoughtful responses with respect to your profession uh, in the fitness realm. So, And we hope that uh, our students will reach out to you in some capacity moving forward uh, and continue to engage in these conversations. But uh, I know this is going to be a very useful tool uh, for all of our students and faculty, uh, like I said. Uh, and understanding your career and, and your career trajectory and uh, your institutional organization and, and where you're going and where the industry's going. So, that's been very helpful today. Thank you. So, with that said, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at all things UFSPM. We are your host, Brian Avery.
1: And Shelly Lyle.
0: And we Hi. like to close this out, Ed, with. Uh, yep, our, go our Gator Gators. Yes. Go, no Yes.
1: <laughs> <viewers>.
0: Go, Gators. <laughs> <laughs>